How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special Saturday afternoon show. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube. And we want to thank you also if you're listening after the fact on the audio podcast. Thanks for listening to us while you drive down the road or work out. Whatever it is you do when you listen to audio podcasts, thank you so much for giving us your time. What a great special Saturday afternoon show live from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 96 of How About That Cigar Live. Uh, it's incredible. We're creeping up every day on that uh, that 100 milestones. So episode 96 today. We should probably do something for that. You think? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe a special maybe. 100th. Uh, maybe. 100 show so we should thanks so much guys for being with us uh as always brought to you from the drew estate cigar studios and let's talk about the new liga Pravada bauhaus the basic tenet of bauhaus architecture is that every object must have a purpose in the design the new liga Pravada bauhaus short robusto pays extra attention to leaf placement within the cigar intentionally designed to take our european aficionados through a newly curated experience Bauhaus is a 114 millimeter by 50 short Robusto that is wrapped in a rich, earthy Connecticut broadleaf kappa, includes a bold Brazilian binder, and is completed using filler tobaccos from Honduras and Nicaragua. The Liga Pravada Bauhaus is packaged in an elegant gold embossed 12 count box. The Liga Pravada Unico Serie Bauhaus, now available at EU retailers through Drew Estates European Distributors. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. So, Garrett, mm-hmm. the Super Bowl is tomorrow. You might have heard of it. It's a football game. Not, oh, not a big deal. Fo- okay. Not a big deal. But uh, So we talked a little bit mm-hmm. about it on Tuesday's show. Mm-hmm. But exciting, you know, exciting to have, uh, have the Super Bowl uh, in Tampa, uh, Cigar City. You know, very, very cool to have it right in the Tampa area. Um, what are gonna, you doing for the game? Uh, we're having some family over here to the house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is probably the first year I haven't, up until the game, n- no idea what I'm going to do. So I'll, I don't know, maybe I'll go to a cigar shop or something. But. Yeah. But it's going to be a good game watching uh, watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Old school versus new school. Yeah. I love everything yeah. about this game. Yeah, it's I really, exciting. I really do. It's exciting. And it's it's you know the the uh the old man Tom Brady versus uh the young kid Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh gonna be a great game. So get together with your friends. Hopefully, if you're able to get together with some friends, <clears throat> some cigars, watch the game. And let us know in the comments what are your predictions of the game. Yes, yes. Uh I'd like to know. Tell us uh and, and as always that we do this on the show. Talk to us right now while you're on the show, while you're watching us. Tell us what you're smoking. Tell us what you're drinking. Mm-hmm. We always love hearing that from you guys. Yep. Um, and one note that I have to add here is um, I, the news came out that uh, we lost uh, Christopher Plummer. Yes. Who is uh, who's an actor that if if uh, if you're not really into movies, uh, Christopher Plummer uh, was uh, Mr. Von Trapp from The Sound of Music. That's how most people know him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, over his career, he he died at 91 years old. Did and everything. Over his career, he did so much. Everything. Uh, starting back with stage work in the 1940s and 50s uh, into TV commercials, uh, TV specials, uh, movies through throughout mm-hmm. the years. Um, most, Nursing instructionals. The man yeah, did everything. <laughs> he did everything. Uh, and most recently, uh, the movie Knives Out, which I thought was a fantastic movie. And, and he was, as always, fantastic. In and that. he was in his 80s. 90. 
Well, when he did the movie, yeah, yeah. it was late 80s. Late 80s. Eight, like 89 years old when he made that movie. You kidding me? And he uh, he's he was he was always one of the most consummate professionals and uh, just brought to life a lot of great characters on screen. So mm-hmm. uh, just, uh, you know, wanted to remember him tonight. Um, and as we go into our uh, as our as we go into our special event this evening, uh, this afternoon. So I'm so used to saying evening because we're always on the show in the evenings. Um, we, uh, we always have a special guest on the show and today because we're on a special Saturday show, we have an absolutely incredible special guest um, on the show. Garrett and I even commented before the show started that, uh, it, we love doing the show and we have ever since we started and we will continue to do it. Um, and we typically are, you know, we have our game faces on ready to go. This is the first time we've ever done a show where both Garrett and I look at each other and say, we're actually a little nervous. Love got that. got the butterflies cooking because our guest is just super scary. Super, <laughs> super scary. No, but it's it's just we're really excited to have uh, have our guest on the show, uh, and and because we have so much as cigar consumers that we can learn from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very excited to have him on. Uh, and as always, guys, special guests on How About That Cigar Live are brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and coronacigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest-to-use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Mr. Jeff Borshowitz, believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and coronacigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome, put your hands together. How about that cigar live, Mr. Jose Blanco? Jose, welcome to the show. Thank you for the introduction, Matt and, and Garrett. Uh, looking uh, really forward to the show. <clears throat> First of all, I want to take the opportunity for the thousands of people on social media that had me and my... Uh, me and my family and their mm-hmm. prayers and thoughts. It was 24 days uh, in the hospital. And the only thing I'm going to say is uh, it's not the flu. Take my word. Social distance. This is not about politics. Use your mask. Take care of yourselves. Because if I didn't have probably the best doctor in the region, uh, I would have not uh, uh, be here today in this uh on this show, and I appreciate uh, all the prayers and thoughts and the great work that the uh, medical team did uh, at the hospital here in uh, Macedonia. So wear on your mask. Be careful with those Super Bowl parties tomorrow. Just <laughs> sit as as far away as you can. Smoke your cigars. Do your ribs. Smoke your cigars. Have a great time. But try to keep yourselves a little bit distance. And yeah. let's have a great show, guys. Yeah. You know, and that's what I love about Jose is if you've watched any any of the shows that he has done, he's an educator, uh, hence the professor. You know, every every moment is a teaching moment. And Jose, that we are kindred spirits because both Matt and I, that is a, a huge goal of this show 
is to bring about um, education to consumers and, you know, both, you know, the cigar and the non-cigar world. And uh, we love that about you. Yeah. And we are grateful for your uh, your being on the show and, and especially grateful that uh, that you were able to recover and be back home again. I know that you're not uh, you're not smoking again yet, but but uh, oh. you, you will be again soon. Let me tell you something. The only time in my life I had an operation was maybe 15 years ago. The doctor said I couldn't smoke for a month. And uh, six, six days later, I was smoking, even though it was only once a cigar day. But uh, I think uh, I don't think there's been anything uh, outside the death of my parents and things like that has been so painful. <laughs> like I'm going to be almost three effing months without smoking. <laughs> I'm I'm going crazy, guys. So I ask a lot of people, smoke one for me. Yeah. A lot of people are smoking an extra one every day for me. Yeah. So so Jose, well, what are we smoking? Yeah, let's. I want to talk about what we're smoking. So Garrett, these Garrett provided us with these these uh, beautiful old cigars. So uh, Garrett, tell us about what we fired up here. So I had the rare opportunity to get into this lot of uh, very vintage cigars. And um, we have a uh, mid-90s Opus X wow. that, uh, that we're doing here. So this is uh, as close to OG as I've ever seen. Yeah, I think these, I think, did they say these were from a 90, 1997 yeah. box, I think? Yeah. They're, wow. they're smoking beautifully. Um, <laughs> so, and you can see the, you know, just the beautiful wrapper. It's just, they're, they're beautiful. They, and they, they really have nice flavor to them. So, Jose, you are the sales director for Arturo Fuente International. And part of that is uh, you cover a lot of area and we talked about that even a little bit before the show how much space you cover in the cigar business over there for Arturo Fuente what and th this question was actually kind of for later but this is one of the things i'm curious about is because us here in the states you know the there there's a certain pattern to the way things go in the cigar business here in the states whether you're a consumer or a retailer um, or e even a even a blogger what what are the biggest differences that people in the states don't really understand about how different the markets are over in whether it's Europe or Asia or Africa? What are the well, biggest differences? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you that unfortunately, I'm not going to say all the companies, but the majority of the companies in Europe do not understand the American market. And a lot of people in the American market don't understand the European or the Middle East or Africa or Asia. It's, it's, it's totally different. And I'll tell you, one of the first things is that the brand loyalty, uh, let's say Europe, let's just say Europe. A person in Europe to stop smoking a brand is because it gets totally unsmokable or the price just goes totally out of hand. You know, in the States now, not maybe so much this year because there were not so many uh, new cigars. What was the first thing that people would ask? What's new? What's new? What's new? What's new? Yeah. Even though Europe gets some some new stuff, it's not as much 
or the ratio is much bigger in uh, Europe, the Middle East, and the rest of the world. Even though here, let's say I would do an event and sell 100 boxes, or Carlito would go do an event with Cynthia and sell 500 boxes in one single day. In Europe, you go and you do the event, you have 20, 30, 40 people, but you're talking to them and then they will buy. So it's a totally different way of marketing. And the other thing people don't understand, you have different, in the States, it's basically, or you can't smoke in the shop, you have high taxes, but in Europe, every country is totally different. It's a different language. It's a different taxation. So it's not like one hat fits all. Yeah. So then when, when a lot of people go to the Dortmund show and see all the complications that England is by weight, this country is by this, the other country is that way, and this country, uh, you cannot use uh, Facebook as a tool to advertise, but in other countries you do. So a lot of people, what they don't realize is before you want to get into the European or any uh, market outside the United States, a lot of people just don't do their homework. They try to get in. They try to get a distributor. And then what happens is they found out all these, how would you say, things that you don't see in the United States. Mm. The other thing is, also, uh, even though in Europe you've seen uh, a little bit of bigger ring gauges, people smoking more uh, Toros, some places, some 60s, but the number one selling cigar size still in Europe is the Robusto. Okay. Okay. Now, what about the culture difference between, you know, how we experience cigar culture in the U.S. versus Europe and, and those other places, too? What are some differences there? Well, uh, I would say, to be honest, uh, with exception, some countries, I mean, have, you know, big shops that are 2,000, 2,500, maybe 3,000 square feet. But, you know, in the States, we have shops that are, there's one in Chicago that's 22,000 square feet. Well, Chicago has one with 22, one with 15,000 square mm. feet, and one with 8,000. In Europe, depending where you are, if you take Spain, you have the Stancos, you have two or three good shops in Madrid, you have them in Barcelona and uh, different places. But the culture, I would say they enjoy, they have, uh, every country has, you will see like in uh, some countries, uh, more pairings with wines. Uh, you go up north a little bit more, you're going to see more spirits like scotch and vodka, depending on that. The... Uh, the people are respectful, like the majority of people are in the States. They're not so much into uh, what you say, like in the States, they were always looking for what's new, uh, even though uh, they're not so big on, on what you say on Twitter, hardly any of the European countries. What Instagram has picked up a lot, like I said, depending on the country, then sure. you will see if it's a uh, they're Facebook friendly or not. Spain is very strict on that. Holland is very strict on that. Some other countries, they're more uh, flexible on that. But uh, one of the things also is that you have, let's say, uh, a cigar in Spain that's five euros. And that same cigar, you go to London 
it's going to be maybe 12 pounds. It's going to be around $15, $16. So there's a difference also in the taxation and also where you can smoke. Yeah. It's, and I would assume that places to smoke, uh, I mean, are there are there less and less places to smoke? Um, whether it's honestly, a lot of places, even in the States now, uh, places have banned outdoor smoking. Even is that, is that common over there? It, it again, it depends on also on the country. Some yeah. European countries have uh, more stricter laws. I think in Eastern Europe, they're a little bit more, uh, not so hard on smoking. Like it is like, uh, uh, in England, in England, you can hardly smoke, uh, Anywhere in Spain, it, it all depends, but it, it's become very, 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 uh, very hard everywhere in the world. I mean, this is yeah. you question yourself. You have places in the states, like I was in Pasadena a couple of years ago. I was walking down the street, a cop pulls me aside and says, Sir, uh, haven't you seen the sign? And I go, like, What sign? You can't smoke. I said, But I'm here on the street. He says, Look, where are you from? I said, New York. I said, Okay. Look, you're probably you're probably you're probably a cigar smoker, sir. Look, I don't want to have to find you. Just go on the side. And I said, officer, really? He says, look over there. You can't smoke. I mean, on the street. So it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So I want to go back in time just a little bit uh, because you have you've been in this business for decades, and and uh, so many people know you as you know, obviously as your nickname. Uh, denotes the as the professor, but I mean, from going all the way back to La Aurora to Hoy de Nicaragua to E.P. Carrillo to and now to Fuente, what is it about the cigar, uh, about cigars in general that keep you in this industry that you love so much about it that you know because there's as all of us do you know whatever our job is, I'm, there's always something else we could do, but what is it that keeps you in this industry that you love so much about it? Well, uh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, could, till we have till tomorrow to go into this? <laughs> All the time you no, want. No, 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 no. Look, it's, it's, it's a story I've told a million times in the magazines I've written. My father was a political exile. We had a dictator in the Dominican Republic, Trujillo, from 1930, 1961. My grandmother said my father, my family was always involved in politics. Even my cousin was president, 82 to 86. So uh, my father was a little bit of a hothead at that time. So uh, he went to the States, studied, uh, became a citizen, went to the Army four years, um, met my mother. They married. But since I could remember the age of five or six years old, or maybe four, I would see my father. And at that time, you know, people were smoking in the houses and all that. It wasn't mm -hmm. all this crap we have today. And I grew up seeing my father smoking a couple of cigars a day. And then when Trujillo was killed at the age of 12, we came back to live in the Dominican Republic. Then I saw my father smoking more than that. So my cousin, uh, Hochi, which is Tabacalera La Palma, his father was the owner of the factory. So in the summers, we would go there to the factory and uh, he was a tobacco buyer too. So I started smoking at the age of 14 and an old man called Gume who used to run the factory uh, was teaching me. But basically it was olor, 
And uh, that was when Piloto Cubana started to go to DR. So when uh, I was around 14 and a half, my mother found out I was smoking cigars and she, and she, and she was not happy. So then uh, my dad and her compromised that at the age of 16, I would legally smoke. So I had my 16th birthday. We had some guys over and then my father comes out with a little bundle of cigars and says in front of my mother, here is maybe 15, 20 cigars. And now you can start legally smoking. So my mother went back to the kitchen and then my father pulled me aside. He said, you think I didn't know you were smoking and taking my cigars? <laughs> so, so after that, starting at the age of 16, I mean, I was smoking a couple of cigars a week. Then when I was 18, I started to smoke more. And the other thing was that my great-grandfather grew tobacco, my grandfather grew tobacco, my father grew tobacco. Hochi, my cousin, is one of the biggest growers of tobacco. So if you cut me, you know, a lot of people bleed uh, blood. If you cut me, it's essential oils from tobacco leaves that comes out of me. So I've been smoking now for 55 years. And, of course, I've had a long career. I worked uh, for Grupo Leon Jimenez. that had La Aurora 30 years. Then I supposedly retired. <laughs> then I got an offer uh, from a lot of companies, but I decided to go to La Jolla Nicaragua as their senior vice president. Then after that, I came back. Then M and I started with Senorial. Everything was going good till FDA came up. And I, I have to admit, I've said it in other things. Look, I got a little bit nervous about it to spend five, six hundred thousand dollars on something that we didn't know. And to be honest, I'm glad it worked out for so many people. I'm really happy. We'll talk about the FDA thing later. <laughs> so then I said, uh, Ernie and I talk, Ernie and I mean Ernesto, more than 22 years of friendship. We talk like three times a week, still keep in touch, spent three years with him. And then uh, when my father passed away, uh, a lawyer and my son was running farms and property he had left me. So it came a time when the lawyer unfortunately died. He was not only my lawyer, but a friend for more than 30 years. So I had to take three or four months off to straighten everything out. Some lots that we were doing with a company, payment was not made. I had to get in lawyers. So then I was moving back to, uh, Emma was already here. We have a beautiful apartment here in, in Macedonia. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to, maybe this is it. But I've had a long relationship with Carlito for many, many years. I consider him more than a brother. And in December, he invited me for dinner one night. We got together. Then we got together in January at the factory and the farm. Conversations came up. And, well, 10 months later, here I am with uh, what I would consider a dream job. I told Carlito I couldn't promise him more than 10 years because uh, I've done – I have a like a – a degree, and now I'm doing my first five years with Fuente. I'm doing a uh, master's, and then the next five years is going to be a PhD. So I can't <laughs> promise more than ten years. There you go. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so, what year did you decide to go all in 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 tobacco? What year was that? Oh. Well, what happened was this. I was head of sales for Presidente Beer. Anybody who's been in the Dominican Republic knows that Presidente Beer uh, is like, I don't think anybody in the world has the biggest market share than 
I think they had like, we had used to have 98%. But mm-hmm. the owners of President De Beer were the owners of uh, Marlboro, which at one time for a year was head of sales of Marlboro too, and were the uh, owners of La Aurora, which is the oldest cigar company there. So I was on the smoking panel. And to be honest, I was very critical of the boom of all the shit that was being made at that time by people that, if you take an old cigar aficionado magazine, you'll see a hundred ads of companies that are not around anymore. Yeah. So in 1999, no, in 1998, I went to my first, uh, it was RTDA at that time. Uh, got a lot of free samples that year because a lot of people were going out of business. <laughs> and uh, I would say 90% of all the cigars were really, really uh, bad. And that's why the shit hit the fan. And, you know, we went from 447 million cigars imported in 1997 to it was maybe 200. We lost about 30, 30 or 35% of the uh, of cigars that year. A whole bunch of people went out of business. Oh, yeah. Wow. So in, yeah, so in 1999, Guillermo's father, Fernando Leon, that in, who a lot of people consider was the m- most knowledgeable tobacco man in Dominican Republic, uh, talked to me and Guillermo talked to me. And then I decided to, you know, to work with uh, La Aurora. And then I spent uh, a lot of time with Guillermo and Guillermo's father. Manuel Hackes, Manuel Inoa, starting to blend, starting to work with different tobaccos. I was one of the first people that uh, uh, encouraged Guillermo to bring in tobacco from uh, from Nicaragua. We worked with tobaccos in Nicaragua. And then we had uh, blended the 100th anniversary cigar that was the number two cigar of the year when Cigar Aficionado did their top 25. So after that, it was just a learning process, a learning process, meeting people, Ernesto, Bench, spending time with all those people, went to Cuba, went to Nicaragua, and it's been my passion. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is what I love. That's what I've been doing for many, many years, and God willing, as long as I'm healthy, I will continue uh, to keep doing it. I just love this job, yeah. and I'll tell you why I consider it's the greatest industry in the world, because of three things. You're not judged by the color of your skin. You're not judged by religious beliefs, and you're not judged whether you're smoking a $3 cigar or a $50 cigar, even though you're going to have the occasional asshole that's going to piss everybody off. Occasional. Okay. We try to stay away from those. Yeah. So <clears throat> earlier this week, um, the guys from Tatuaje had a had a herf online, and, and we were fortunate to spend some time with them and, and have some great conversations with some great people. And a lot of the, a lot of the names that came up uh, are are names of you know people that myself, Garrett, and a lot of other people who are who are really uh, fans of the premium cigar business we consider to be legends. Uh, and I, I think that even for the occasional cigar smoker, even for the casual cigar smoker who's not a big cigar nerd like we are. I think it's important for people to understand a little bit and know the names about these these legends and and some of their stories and things like that. Um, wh- what is it about those people? Whether I mean just a couple names that come to mind. I mean Ernesto, I I believe is in that category. I think Benjamin Edez is in that category. I think um, I, I think Carlito is in that category. I think uh, bef- before his passing. Uh, Jose Orlando Padron and so many other names. Avo, uh, Avo, yeah. What what is it about the people who kind of fit into that legends category that that 
is important for us as cigar smokers to understand and remember their stories and why that puts us where we are today in, in the, in the industry. You know that I, I'm glad that you brought that up because you know that when we started to do meet the professor, uh, anybody who has, we have people that see it every week. Uh, and I encourage people to see it because if you really want to know about history and it's something that Carlito has always said, and also Jeremiah, this is for what we are not around anymore. 20, 30 years, whenever, and people want to go back to see how things were done in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and they could hear me, Carlito, and Jeremiah, and like we've had Ernesto on the show, we've had Gordon Mott, we had George Brightman, Alberto Turrey, Néstor Andres Plasencia. I mean, the majority of the who's who's of tobacco have been on our show, and they have shared their stories, because <clears throat> the problem is, and I'll give you an example. People look how big Fuente is and all the things that the company has accomplished. I mean, it's going to be 110 years in, in a year and year and a half. But people don't see all the struggles and all the things that they went through, that they were burned out in Nicaragua. Yeah. Then they, after burnout in Nicaragua, they go to Honduras and they're burnt out there too. And only the perseverance of Don Carlos and Carlito could keep that company together. Go down in Dominican Republic in 1980 and start with six rollers, living in a little house, all of them there, struggling. <clears throat> but look at how Don Jose Orlando Padron, all that he went to and all the threats and the bombs and everything that they have done. And we could name countless people Benji Menendez, who was a, their family was a multimillionaire in Cuba. Yeah. With H. Upman, Por La Rañaga, and Montecristo, and left Cuba with $10 and nothing else and had to start again. So we could go on and on. On the show, we mentioned Rolando Reyes, that the majority of people, we mentioned him. And people say, what is he, a boxer? He's a baseball player or something like that. <laughs> and he was he was one. And this is something that I, I heard from George Brightman, but also from Carlito, that not only was a master blender and grower, but he was uh, like a mad scientist. He would work at 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. But he was a demanding roller because he was an expert roller. I remember I met him twice. I think it was 2004, 2006, but I know it was at shows. And we could go on mentioning Frank Yanessa, Danny Blumenfeld, mm. Eto, eh, Simon Camacho, Bermejo, who started Joya de Nicaragua, uh, people here at Toraño, but it's not Don Carlos Toraño and it's not Charlie Toraño. It was Charlie's grandfather who went to, from Cuba to Dominican Republic to grow tobacco and he had an argument with a worker and had a, he was doing a curing uh, incorrectly in the bar and, and just died of a heart attack. So we could talk hours about all these people that were the, uh, how would you say, the, uh, the, the paved the road yeah. to all these things. But it, had, it has been with blood, sweat, and tears. It has not been easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to reiterate what Jose said, uh, watch 
and look for the Meet the Professor episodes. Um, you know, just fantastic guests, yeah. just amazing story after amazing story. It is a fun ride. Yeah. And if, and if you care about these products that we enjoy, these premium cigars that we enjoy, the, the, the history is, is <laughs> uh, while you're smoking these cigars, to, to get to sit down and, and hear these stories uh, is it's, it's actually very gratifying while you're enjoying these products to sit down and hear these stories. And, and Garrett's 100% right. You guys need to make sure you subscribe to watch the professor and and find it on Facebook so you set up to get reminders every time they go live because mm-hmm. you will always learn something on that show whether it's learning something about the history of the business learning something about uh, tobacco processing tobacco leaves tobacco rolling you will learn something that will make you a more uh, well-rounded better member of of the cigar community that's and that's one of the things that I think we all we all can benefit from that as as uh, people who enjoy premium cigars. And probably my, if I can share, my favorite story so far was the uh, the George Brightman episode. There's a few things that really shine for me, but the fact that George Brightman could smell Carlitos' cigar and knew that it was special. And that it was called Project X at the time, and I think you know where that goes, um, is fantastic. And Jose can talk a little bit about the palette of uh, George Brightman, um, but just really great, great, amazing stories. Well, I, I, I got to tell you something. I, I think it was with Matt pre- earlier. I was talking, well, maybe it wasn't with you guys, about George. I've known George Brightman for around 22 years. Uh, to me, I know a lot of great smokers. I mean, I know smokers that could, you know, from looking at a cigar, taking two or three puffs out of a cigar, could just describe everything about it. But I, I don't think, I'll put it to you this way. In the United States, George Brightman is one of the top three palette. I'm not going to say he's first. I'm not going to say second. I'm not going to say he's third. The palette and the wisdom and the knowledge that George Brightman has about tobaccos. I'm pretty good at what I do, and I respect George Brightman's palate immensely. And it was funny, you saw the other day, you were on the show when we were doing it with Pete. You know, it was basically the hour and a half I was there. It was just me, Pete, and uh, George talking, but I I uh, I consider George a wealth of knowledge, a true friend, a passionate brother of the leaf. But not only that, it's you know people call me the professor, they call me the guru, they call me all you want. I'm just a student, <laughs> a student of that. I can name twenty people that know more than me. The problem with that is that the majority of them, the knowledge they have, will take it to their tombs. And the little knowledge that I have, I want to share with consumers, with store owners, with distributors, because the more uh, knowledgeable a consumer is, it's better for the cigar owner and for the cigar store. And the cigar store is more knowledgeable. It's easier for him to interact with the salesperson or with the distributor. So that's why I have 
all these years, for the last 18 years, educated, educated, educated. I've done more than 16 or 1700 blending seminars all over the world, Thailand, Hong Kong, uh, Shanghai, Argentina, Canada, I mean, all over. And uh, the little knowledge that I have, I've shared it, and I've made thousands and thousands of cigar smokers, better cigar smokers, and I've given them information that has changed their way. They view a cigar, they smoke a cigar, they select a cigar. So that's my two cents on that. No, that's, <laughs> that's great. And that actually leads into this question is, you know, uh, the blending seminars and, and for anybody, uh, I say it all the time, any, if you ever get an opportunity to go to uh, a, a cigar factory tour in Nicaragua or Dominican Republic, you need to do that because it will, it will, you will learn so much. But Jose, for, for us as cigar smokers out there and, and especially for <laughs> novice cigar smokers who, who have, uh, are maybe a month or two in and they know that this is, it's a hobby that they enjoy and they really enjoy the flavor and aroma of premium cigars, but they don't know too much yet. What, what are some of those good foundational basics that you think those novice cigar smokers are the best basics for them to have in their, in their knowledge base to when they're getting into premium cigars? Well, the first thing, and I'll give some tips that I, I use in the seminars also. The first thing is you have try to go to a shop where you as a novice are going to be taken care of because without mentioning shops, there's shops that the 21-year-old, the 23-year-old for the first time goes in, he gets treated like shit. Mm -hmm. Probably because the person there has been, maybe he's been there too long and you try to have to go to a shop where they're going to be nice to you. Try to ask another guy that's a smoker so they can help you out. First of all, try always, maybe if you have enough money, buy three cigars with a Connecticut wrapper that are mild. Yeah. Smoke slowly. Mm. Then a couple of weeks go by and you feel that you're missing something, then maybe you want to go from a mile to medium. Or on a scale of one to ten, you were smoking a two and a half, maybe you want to go to three and a half, four. And then after that, depending on your tolerance scale feels and what you're picking up in your mouth and the flavors, maybe in a couple of months you want to go to a medium and then medium plus. But you can't go into a cigar and all of a sudden want a 1926 Padron or an Opus X or a Double Hero from Lito. It doesn't work that way. You have to slowly, slowly start to uh, to smoke. The other thing is majority of consumers tend to confuse flavor with strength. Mm -hmm. yeah. You can have a mild cigar that's full flavor, and you can have a cigar that's always strength, strength, strength. Me, personally, I'll take any day of the week flavor over strength. Now, I want on a scale of 10, a cigar always to be 10 in flavor. Yeah. And on the strength, 
could be seven, seven and a half, eight, nine, nine and a half, maybe. But if you do 10, 10, what's going to happen is the strength is over, going to lap the flavor, and you're not going to enjoy the cigar that much. That said, there's a segment, very small percentage of people that like that really upfront, peppery, spicy, really strong, bold cigars, which is not my cup of tea, but there's people that like that. Uh, so uh, that's basically what you want to do. And then, you know, ask questions to fellow smokers. But I always say try to go to a shop where you're going to be welcome, yeah. where they're going to give you a, a good recommendation. Mm -hmm. They're going to show you how to cut a cigar. If you buy your first humid, I always tell people, don't buy the 50-count one. Bite right off the box, uh, the 100-count one, because after you buy the 50, <laughs> in three more that's months, so you're going to buy the 100 or the 150 one. Yeah, so those so are like true. little things like that. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a great thing you said about the, sh the shops, is finding a shop. And this is something that we have talked about before. We really encourage, if you're a retailer, we really want to encourage you to to engage engage your customers, especially the younger ones, not just not just for the sales aspect of it, although of course you want to create a good atmosphere and and be helpful to the customers so that they return as a customer. But you're doing more than that. <laughs> there's a, I, in my opinion, there's a responsibility that comes from being a premium cigar retailer, and part of that is is you want to encourage. You want to encourage uh, knowledge and and um, and a certain ethic to to the cigar culture as a whole because uh, building up and growing um, quality cigar consumers, I think, is just as important as making the sales. So oh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jose. Definitely, and, and you know, and to be honest, I've I've heard horror stories. How people, like, at certain age they try to smoke and they were disencouraged or treated badly. Then, and then you know you get to meet them and when did you start smoking? You hear the stories. Well, you know it was a couple of years. I've been only smoking for a couple of years because you know I had a bad experience with this and that. So I always tell people, look, if you want to be successful at a shop, just be nice, have a smile, and you know just. Uh, and the other problem that I see a lot, it's a lot of shops that have problem with women. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I've been in shops that, you know, I've, I felt really bad because uh, I've heard the conversation and after women have left, you know, I said, you know, so-and-so you're so effing stupid. You know, <laughs> that, that woman is going to go back to that husband and, you know, that guy, I don't know who the husband is never come back. Yeah. You know, women, you know, have the same rights as men. And I can tell you, I know women that know how to smoke better than men and can describe a cigar better than men. And women, a lot of them, you know, just smoke, you know, to have a cigar and be on Instagram. But a lot of them are really hardcore sisters of the leaf. That's right. That, that really, every time I have seminars, I have at least three or four women. Let me tell you something. I'm not going to name the, the shop, but I was in a place where two women came in and there was like all this, all the men who are these two. And let me tell you something. Those women, those two of them knew more about cigars than all the men there. Because of all the questions I asked, 
there were guys that didn't know, didn't have one answer. And the funny thing about them, I said, so guys, I mean, uh, these young ladies now that all of you were kind of looking kind of weird. I mean, I guess you all guys got slapped in the face. And they all said, well, yeah, some of them were like, yeah, yeah. So I said, guys, so, you know, power to the women. They know what they're doing. <laughs> so then uh, then they, uh, the women were very, you know, gracious. And they said they had been to Nicaragua. They had been to DR, this and that. And then one idiot said, oh, they had a competitive advantage over us. And I said, oh, my God, what are you coming up with? <laughs> Is that more of an American thing or do you see that globally? No, women smokers now are are going all over the world. And let me tell you something. Uh, there's something that I have to say that uh, I think one of the cigar manufacturers that has made more emphasis on the power of women has been my good friend Carlito Fuente. Carlito is absolutely not now for years and years has respected and treated women the way that women should be treated. Because unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, some men just can't conceive, I would say would be the word, to see a woman describing a cigar and smoking a cigar and retrohaling and just picking, selling the notes, this is this, this is that. And like I said, and that event that I did, the guys were just like this. Yeah. <laughs> and every time I said, correct, correct, correct. And all the guys were, don't know, no sabo. I'll take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you something. These women, I mean, they know how to smoke. They spend money. They, uh, they're, they're passionate about it. And uh, they want to learn more and more and more. So I have the utmost respect uh, for women and, uh, uh, we've had some women on our show, and we're going to have a special guest uh, in a couple of weeks that's a worldwide uh, uh, sister of the leaf uh, from a very big organization. So be on the lookout for one of our shows, our next shows. And I have to I have to say that we already put one of his comments up on the screen, but uh, uh, Carlito, Mr. Fuente, I, I am grateful and honored that you're watching along with us and, and commenting. It's uh it's an honor to have Jose on the show. It's an honor to have you watching and, and coming, commenting along. And I agree with you. You said women are the the, the power for the future of cigars, and I, I agree 100%. 100%. Uh, there are so many great cigar smokers out there. There are so many great cigar ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the, the female cigar ambassadors that are out there today are reaching people that we can't reach. Yep. <laughs> And they're re they're doing it for the better of the cigar culture as a whole. So, and, 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 and let me tell you something. I mean, before social media and all the things we have, we have to recognize something. Our industry has always had a queen, which is Cynthia Fuente. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is not, it wasn't yesterday or five right. years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's been for a long time. Right. Yep. The queen of cigars. She's very knowledgeable. She's very passionate. She's doing a lot of shows. She's funny. Uh, uh, I always say she's my co-pilot, and I love her, and I mean, I've known her for many, many years, but Cynthia, and uh, I guess one day, eventually, 
she'll be on the show and you guys will have a uh, great <laughs> time with her for sure because she is amazing. I love her like a sister. Yeah, we'd we would. Yeah, we'd be absolutely thrilled. So before the show, yeah, let's, let's Jose, look at this here. Uh, you and I, we have uh, we have a mutual friend, Mark at uh, Stogies on Grand. Oh yeah. And um, before the show, I actually I went and I visited with Mark for a little bit, picked up a few cigars, and let him know that we were talking to you. He said to say hi, and he gave me this and said, um, "Ask." Who the hell's idea was this? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be to be honest, uh, Carlito, I think is in uh, that. So maybe Carlito uh, would like to uh, uh, chat into uh, <laughs> or if he if if he if he wants to get on it, I'll send the. I'll send him the link, but uh, maybe he could write uh, where he got this inspiration because, uh, uh, I mean, it's great, but uh, Carlito would be the person or Cynthia maybe who's on the show also could tell us <laughs> because where the idea of the Naked Kings came on. Many of us recognize yeah. the that that iconic you yeah. know, picture, uh, but they're sh they have shirts on, and and for this one, yeah. they they removed the shirts. It was just it's great because yeah, normally we look at this is an iconic photograph, and we see this in ads and and things like that over over many many years. Uh, and normally, you know, they're in the in the actual picture, they're I, I believe wearing uh, guayaberas possibly, and and then here you see the white uh, the white uh, tank top. It's it's just it's very funny. Oh, I love, I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> Here's his comment. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Carlito, I love it. No, you know, <laughs> you know, Carlito learned that from me, you know, in our show when they or any show we're on and somebody throws out a fastball at a hundred, yeah. you know. And I've been doing this for years, no hablo inglés. <laughs> Oh, I love that. So are you going to be getting involved uh, with uh, campaigns like that as the as the sales director or what can no, you to be no to to be honest, no. That okay. that part is basically uh Carlito, the toy maker's idea and Liana. Okay. I will do all the uh, you know, the seminars, work with Carlito wherever wherever it's needed, the country opening up different distributions uh, that we already have done. And because I haven't been able to travel, I mean, I was supposed to go to Tampa and then Dominican on the 6th of January. I got sick. I was supposed to be there uh, actually uh, this week again, but because of the doctor doesn't want me to travel or smoke. And you guys are killing me seeing you smoke those two opus. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> look at Carlito. Love you, Papa. Tampoco hablo less. So, no, and look, I, I'm really dying. I mean, Carlito and I talk basically every day. Sometimes it's talk for hours because we can't see each other. We have a lot of uh, great ideas. And uh, and I just hope, you know, I, I can't wait, you know, to go to DR, you know, eat some rice and beans, some pork, mm -hmm. be at the factory, uh, work with some things with Carlito. But, uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, we've had a great year. And... Uh, I mean, the pinks, I mean, the oh, Naked wow. Kings, 
mm-hmm. all the stuff that's came out. And, you know, talking about that, and I want to take the opportunity, and I'm going to say this uh, with all the respect in the world. We are different from other companies in many different ways. When Carlito saw at the beginning of the year COVID, what it was going to affect retailers, and everybody knows that basically 90% of our business is done with the brick and mortar stores. Carlito, I didn't know about it, but he came up with all these ideas. And the only thing he kept saying to me, Papa, we're going to make Christmas a very Merry Christmas with some things that we're going to give to the retailers that they only are going to have it. The ones who support the PCA, the ones that are true, true tobacconists. And then we had the Naked Kings, the Forbiddens, the Pinks. That was like printing money for those people. And we have always, even Carlito and I talked before, working with them, the emphasis of him and Don Carlos and the family has always had for the brick and mortar shops, the importance of what they mean, that we're not going to go out there and discount our products at 20%, 25%, 30%, 35%. And I'm not criticizing anybody who does it, but that's not the Fuente way. It's like I tell people, our cigars don't taste like Dominican or Cuban or Nicaraguan or Mexican Honduras. Our cigars taste like Fuente. And that's why we do a little things a little bit different than other companies. And that's what I've told people before. You might like Fuente, or maybe you do. But after doing it for 109 years, they have to be doing something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one of the other things about that is recent in, in recent years, there there's a lot of news from different cigar companies from different countries who have their production in different countries where you're seeing a lot of, of contributing to and giving back to the communities where, where they are, where the factories are, they're doing a lot for the communities and for the, for the people in the surrounding areas to, you know, just to, to care for the people in those communities beyond just premium Mm -hmm. cigars. But Fuente as a family was doing that, 30 years ago, 40 years of, for many, many years. It's, and, and I think they actually paved the way and, and were an encouragement to a lot of other companies to see that, that if the communities in the areas where their production is happening are not strong, then their company isn't as strong. And so tell us a little bit about what you've heard from, from them as, as far as their commitment to giving back to the communities that they serve. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, like every, like I said, I've known Galita for 30 plus years. We've been friends for 30 plus years. I've been to the farm, the foundation, and I follow what they've done. After Galito's family, maybe I'm a little bit bold to say this. After Galito's family and the company, the closest thing to Galito's heart is that foundation. People don't realize that where the farm, where Chateau de la Fuente was, there was no schools, 
There was no hospitals. There was no water. There was no electricity. There was nothing there. It was like a cave of thieves and people just trying to kill themselves. If it wasn't, and, you know, we have to throw in the Numas because it's a combination between the Numas and the Fuente. They started with, uh, with one room and then I don't know how many other rooms. And now they have from first grade to eighth grade and they have a clinic and then they have high school. They've had six or seven graduations. Already they have they have graduated from there, have become doctors, entrepreneurs, teachers, lawyers, everything. So for them, the foundation is so important. But I'm going to tell you something. Everybody knows that our tobaccos are very old and very aged. Regular production, five, six years old. Opus and all that stuff, eight years, nine years, ten years. But the cigars that are even older are not even for production to sell. It goes for charity. Those special cigars, footballs, bats, and all those rare stuff that Carlito Mm -hmm. makes to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to give to them. They feed 550 kids every day. You go to Chateau de la Fuente, you go to the foundation, you're not going to see a sign from a bank or from a liquor liquor empire or from a beer or from Fuente or from Noom. There's nothing there because it's not about advertisement. If $100,000 come a year or $200,000 a year, every single penny goes into that. It's not like all these uh, foundations and things that they have. They raise $100 million and uh, $90 million go into first-class trips and hotels and maybe 10% gets into uh, whatever is that. Every single penny is accounted for and it goes into that charity. Yeah. So that, I mean, thousands and thousands of people have been there. I've been there numerous times before working with Carlito and now working with them, and I I look forward to uh, every time I go to Dominican to see there. And I'm going to tell you something. I've been in mostly all the farms in Nicaragua, all the farms in Dominican, many farms in Cuba. Let me tell you something. There is no farm in the world, and I'm not saying this because I work with Fuente, like Chateau de la Fuente. It's not only where dreams are made through, made true, come true. It's what I consider the Disneyland of all tobacco farms in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those, uh, so for those who aren't aware, there every year um, there's a two pack of Toast Across America that is a Fuente Opus X and a Julius Caesar. And um, it's $50, should be $50. Uh, I've seen retailers try and get more for it, and they shouldn't. That's <coughs> conversation for another day. Um, but every penny as Jose just said, goes to the Fuente Foundation. And if you don't know anything about the Fuente Foundation, please look it up. It They do amazing work. And, um, you know, uh, I, I can't say enough about what that means for both the industry and for the communities that it serves. Yeah. So speaking of, um, Carl, uh, Jose, you just mentioned the, the farm, Chateau Fuente, and from from a farming perspective a question that i wanted to i wanted to kind of get into the the nitty-gritty of the of the tobacco talk and that is so every year there's there's crops that are grown there's different you know on the farms there's different plots on the farm and things like that and from year to year you know there will be 
there there will be different weather, different different patterns, things like that. But in your experience, what is the what is the biggest factor that can turn an average crop into an extraordinary crop? It's basically two things: water and sun. And I'll put it to you this way: it doesn't have to be. It applies to any farm anywhere. You have a year where it rained a lot. The leaves are going to be this size. They're going to have basically very light color. The veins are going to be very thin. The leaves are going to be very thin also. And the fermentation process on that is going to be a lower temperature and a shorter time. You have a year where you hardly had rain. You're going to have small leaves, very thick, very oily, very dark. The fermentation process on that is going to be much longer and at higher temperature. So that will change every year how the tobacco has to be used. Now, remember, after the after. The crops, you know, they go through the curing and the fermentation that goes into the aging. Those bales of wrapper and binder are going to sit there for years and years and years. And then, then Carlito will start working on the blends and what he wants to accomplish. But you got to remember... Every year the crop will be different. Like I've said many times, if you ever see on CNN or Fox or NBC, whatever you see, and you heard that in some country they got back-to-back identical crops, even if you don't believe in God, start praying the world is coming to an end. It will never happen. (laughs) Yeah. When I – so I – heard the story uh, that Fuente had this 100th anniversary cigar and they actually sat on it for two years because it wasn't ready. Um, is that the kind of consistency that uh, really sets Fuente apart from a lot of the others is they will not put out a product unless it's ready? Well, listen, uh, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Uh Fuente is different from many other companies in many different ways. But I think also a lot has to start with the top, the way Don Carlos was, the way Carlito is. If you go to the Fuente factory, you're going to see people who have been there 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 35 years. People to leave Fuente is like, uh, it doesn't happen. But you just get too old, or then you get retired, your pension, whatever it is. You work there forever and ever. So with Fuente, the same thing happens with the tobacco. There are cigars that are made, and Carlito will let them sit there for two or three years because he wants them to age more or he feels it just needs a little bit more. It's like when he's working on blends. Sometimes, you know, we all make fun, not of him, but we say he's like a mad scientist. <laughs> now it's mad scientist slash the toy maker because he's, he's, he's looking – to perfection, even though he always says there's no such thing as totally perfection. But he's blending this and leave it here and let's switch this and this binder and let's use this filler and let's change the proportion on this. 
till he gets it to the point he wants. And that is one of the difference with him. And you can mention two or three other companies. They're patient. They have the tobacco. But more than anything, the knowledge. Guys, let's face it. We know people you can give them five-year-old tobacco, uh, filler binders and wrapper, best tobaccos in the world, and they still can't get it right. You know why? Because they just don't know how to blend. And then there's people that have a good tobacco with a not-so-good tobacco, but they know how to blend, and they'll make a great cigar. Mm. It's all like chefs. You mm -hmm. know, blending cigars like cooking, you're using different primings, different tobaccos from different origins. It's like when you're cooking salt, black pepper, red pepper, garlic, tomato paste, nuts, paprika, all the different things. It's it, it's in there. It's like I said, some people have it and others don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and like with the cooking analogy, you know, you've got core flavors and you've got classic recipes um, that, that have been, you know, kitchen favorites uh, and restaurant favorites forever. But then also with the cigars, their brands and blends and, and methods of curing and methods of fermentation and things like that, that, that have been, they're, they're trusted and they're, they're known to be effective methods. But there's also, um, you, you hear sometimes some companies where they'll, they'll take some time and they'll experiment with, with a, a, a few, they'll experiment with a crop, for instance, and they'll, they'll, try a different method of curing or a different method of fermentation or something like that. Um, have you seen or heard about any of those, those sort of uh, newfangled or experimentational methods of, of uh, processing tobacco? Uh, and do you think they, do you think methods like that, some of the maybe new ways of doing things are, have a future or is, are, has it, has it been, have the methods been perfected enough to the point where sticking with the old ways is still the best way? Listen, I know people who experiment uh, and they go back to the old way. Look, it's basically, and we have to be honest about it, it's good old age tobacco that you're going to do it if you if you're pick the leaves at the right time, if you cure them correctly, if you ferment the tobacco correctly, if you age the tobacco correctly, if you blend the tobacco correctly, I mean the cigars correctly, if you put them in the aging room and give them the time they need. Look, people always try to invent, invent, and I've heard of all sorts of experiments from different companies. I'm not going to get into the details, but the end of the day, you have to go back. The way it was done 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago. This is only one way to do it, and yeah. that's the correct way. Yeah. That's everything is natural. The fermentation is just water and heat, and then just take it from there. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. <laughs> and I got to tell you something. People like the Padrones, like Ernesto, Fuente, they're just doing it the old way, the, the old Cuban way, the way that their fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers were, were doing it for, for many years. And just look at the, uh, at the success. At the end of the day, what marks the difference also, it's all about the success, the longevity, and how long have you been, been doing it. Yeah. Do you have a, 
do you have a favorite leaf yourself as far as uh uh you know just your your own number one that you can't Every, i mean everybody knows that one come on you're joking right i do <laughs> no i know it already i just want you to tell I everybody know. listen listen uh i know uh my favorite rapper and it's funny because when I started to work with Fuente on my comments, I always said, you know, true Cameroon grown by the Merafel. And a friend of mine posted, oh, you're saying that because you're working with Fuente. And I remember he was at one of my <laughs> seminars. So I uh, I called him on Messenger. I'm not going to say who it is. He's pretty well known. And I said, so-and-so, weren't you in my seminar in uh, at so-and-so place a couple of years ago? He says, yeah, I've been to two of your seminars. So when people ask me, what was my favorite rapper? Do you remember what it was? And he goes, oh, F, shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I put my foot in my mouth. I said, so please, first of all, delete the comment or just correct it. And everybody knows that my favorite all-time rapper, which I personally consider the best rapper in the world, is Cameroon, grown by the Metafel family in Africa. It's not Cameroon or a Sumatra seed grown in Honduras, or a Sumatra seed grown in Ecuador that people call Cameroon. You can only call Cameroon wrapper or binder Cameroon if it's grown in Cameroon, and not necessarily by the Merafel family, even though they're the only ones growing it there. The difference between Cameroon and that seed grown in Africa and grown in other country is that none of the other countries are going to have that sweetness, that spice, and those unique flavors that true Cameroon has. You have Sumatra grown in Ecuador, has a little bit of spice, but what dominates more than anything else is the earthiness and the spice, but it doesn't have the sweetness. Yeah. To me, Cameroon is unique, and everybody knows that we use true Cameroon since the Fuente has mm -hmm. been using the rapper for the Don Carlos, the Hemingway, and all those special editions that we made. To me, it's the best rapper in the world. But yeah. that's my personal opinion. The cool thing now is that uh, the Marifel family has uh, started a certification now that every box that contains their Cameroon leaf gets that special stamp on the box yeah so you'll see it on all those don carlos hemingway or any other company that has that marifel cameroon wrapper has that stamp on the box so if you see something that says cameroon and it doesn't have that stamp on it i'm not saying it's a bad cigar but i'll agree with jose that it doesn't have all of the the uh the, the special qualities that that cameroon wrapper has yeah I mean, I mean, you take <clears throat> you take a Don Carlos or a Hemingway, you put it in your mouth. Or an A five eight, you put that cigar in your mouth, and right away you're gonna pick up that sweetness to it. And then when you light up that cigar, that aroma, that that sweetness, the the uh, the complexity and the unique flavors it has. And you have to remember, this is uh, in the uh, the rainforest of Cameroon. That it's it's. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know why I haven't said. I think everything has to be said about that wrapper and that and that cigar. To me, 
the best cigar in the world with a Camero true Cameroon wrapper is the Don Carlos Personal Reserve. That cigar is outstanding. The Eye of the Shark, it's amazing. Anything on the Don Carlos line or the uh, the Hemingway line. But, of course, we have to be honest, it comes down to taste. If yeah. you like it, don't like it. But if it, it's very rarely that a person smokes a, an a just a simple 858, which is a great cigar for the price. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would enjoy it. That is the cigar that I have smoked the most uh, in all my years of smoking, starting smoking Fuente, the A58 Florfina Cameroon. That yeah. cigar is amazing. Well, and to, the, to this day, one of my favorite cigars that I still smoke on a regular basis is is the Don Carlos number three. Mm -hmm. uh, that's 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 the, the Vitola that I prefer, and, and it's the blend that delivers every single time I smoke it, without question. No, it's a great smoke. That whole line, I mean... The eye of the shark, the uh, the man. I mean, mm -hmm. but it comes down to great. Look, at the end of the day, guys, it comes down to gr good, great old aged tobaccos yeah. and a good chef. Yeah. Well, in my very first premium cigar, um, I was working at Jimmy John's, and a nineteen-year-old kid, and uh, we had just opened six months prior, and Stogie's on Grand opened right after there. And the, the manager of that shop came over and asked if he could trade cigars for subs. And I had never had a premium cigar before. And I was like, sure. And he gave me a Hemingway and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> and uh, between, you know, Howard and Eileen and everybody at Stogie's helped to, you know, uh, refine my palate and educate <clears throat> me. And, um, and that's the love of cigars. But that Hemingway, I still remember. Yeah. Special, special cigar. So, Jose, of all the, because the Fuente family does have a wide range of premium cigars from all different sizes, different price points, different, different uh, blends. But is there one that you find yourself reaching for more than any other? Well, uh, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, Carlito uh, always has been very generous with me, uh, even before we worked. So to be honest, whether he would send it to my house or I would stop by just to say hello, it would always be, uh, do you have Añejos, the 46? <laughs> and if for any reason there wasn't or there weren't ready, it would be Don Carlos. So to me, it's, don't, uh, oh, yeah, that cigar, I mean, the 46. And now, because I hadn't smoked in a long time, and Jeremiah sent me a 10-pack, uh, I think it was like in August, the 888. So now the uh, I have a dilemma between the 46 and the 888. And, of course, after that would be Opus. But I've said this on many shows. I would never go to the factory or see Carlito because I, I love to mooch. And uh, pick his uh, pick his pocket, <laughs> but always, but it would always be it would always be a uh, a Don Carlos uh, Robusto or uh, the Añejo. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, the Añejo. For me, uh, I mean, as much as I love the Don Carlos number three, uh, the Añejo for me is. Uh, I just, 
because I, I love the richness that comes from that. It's, it's, uh, um, uh, this, this cigar right here, the, the richness that comes from, from this cigar is, is maybe unmatched. It's, it's just thick and heavy and luxurious and, uh, you, you know, you know, Matt, I'm going to tell you something <clears throat> without mentioning brands. Like I always said, we know there's, I would say there's five or six really great cigars that use Connecticut broadleaf, but I'm going to tell you something. I think the uniqueness of the Añejos and it's because they're made and put away for a long time. Mm-hmm. The fermentation process on that broadleaf that's done to them. It's, it's done in a very uh, Fuente way. Uh, it, it's hard to beat that. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. It's hard to beat an Añejo. That's the only thing I'm going to yeah. say when yep. it comes to a cigar with a, with a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper. Yeah. And I don't know if you know the origin story of the Añejo. And I don't even know mm. if the story that I've heard is true. Um, I hope one day that we can uh, either get Carlito or Cynthia on to... Uh, educate us on <laughs> on the origin of the Añejo, but um, for me, it would probably have to be the Hemingway because it's nostalgia for me. Every oh, yeah. time I have that Añejo or that uh, Hemingway, um, it brings me back, you know, to that first cigar because uh, it, it the consistency, you guys, is just unmatched. There's a few cigars out there that have been consistent for 20, 30 years, but there's only a few of them. And the Hemingway series is certainly one of them that you smoke it today. And it's just like I had back in 1997 and that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, I mean the, the Hemingway line, don't get me wrong. That signature one. uh, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, um, I gotta be honest. I just like the Don Carlos a little bit more mm-hmm. than the Hemingway personally, but they're both two great cigars. And anybody who hasn't had a a Hemingway or a uh, Don Carlos, I, I invite them to uh, to treat themselves with a nice bourbon or a nice single scotch or even with a nice rum. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we I should. I think we should. Is it time? I think so. All right. It is time for this week's. Numero de los Muertos. And as always, guys, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by Smoke in Cigars. So take just a second, if you would, please, and take a look at this message from Honest Abe and Smoke in Cigars. On February 20th, 2021, we will be taking on the endeavor of putting on an eight-hour virtual event, one like you've never seen before. For your ticket price of approximately $169 delivered to your door, you will get the TGS party in a box. This box will be filled with everything you'll need for our virtual event, including opportunities to purchase cigars at epic deals, epic packages, and some very special exclusive cigars being made from us by some of the most epic manufacturers in the industry. Carlito Fuente, Pete Johnson, Steve Saka, Aganor Salif, Perdomo Cigars, just to name a few. There's a very limited supply. Head over to thegreatsmoke.com, purchase your ticket, and get your party in the box. We'll see you soon. Peace. All right. All right. Time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. Garrett, what do you have for us? So this week, 
the number is 34 people a year globally die here and go missing to go missing here here like in the states you mean or no so oh in a particular place what we're trying to figure out is here but it's global so it's uh it's not necessarily a cause it's a place oh all right as always viewers if you have uh if you have guesses help us out here put us in the uh put it in the comments here so 34 people a year 34 a year people a year on average globally globally and two people go missing uh so i'm not looking for a necessarily a uh geographic location um it's more arbitrary than that um so it's not a geographical place. It's a type of place. Correct. Okay. Um, okay. This one's going to be tougher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the fifth on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jose's just in for the ride. Okay. So a type of place. Um, um, restaurants. Mm-mm. Not restaurants. Ooh, good guesses, you guys. Oh, we got good guesses. We got the zoo. It's a good guess, but no. The forest. No, sir. Funeral homes. No, nope. oh, that's a good guess because, yeah. Yeah, people, right? Yeah. yeah. Caribbeans. Uh, no. Caribbean. Nope. Um, Not a park. Not a park. Oh, rest area. Rest that's a area good guess, is a good Dave. guess, too. Nope. And a shout out to uh, Dave Caban who lent me his very special hat for this, uh, for this show. So thank you, David. Uh, circuses. Oh, that's circuses a good guess. Circuses is a great guess. And it's not correct. Restrooms. The mall. Restrooms. Um, not the mall. All right. Uh, car dealerships. Ooh. No, that's a good guess. Um, all right. It's, uh, stadiums. No. Uh, is it is? Uh, are these locations where people buy things? I mean, you can, and yes, but don't think of it that way. Uh, are they outdoor uh, areas or indoor? Um, it's kind of both. Kind of both. Uh, okay. <laughs> Police. <laughs> Car- Carlito says. Car- Carlito says. Uh, uh, adult uh, nightclubs uh, is what. Is, <laughs> is he right? He is not right. He's not okay. But that's a damn good. That's guess. a damn good guess. Uh, We've got bars. bars no caves. Caves. <laughs> caves is a great guess. I should look at that. Um, so it could be outdoor. This is killing. I I need something else. Okay. I need a hint. So here's here's a hint. The hint is um, water is involved. Okay. DMV. I love it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Should I? I'm not. I I think we have to. Do I have to put that on? Okay. We do. 
Uh, no, John. No, John. That's good guess, though. Good guess. Um, all right. So it's not the pool. That's a great guess, too. Water park. It is not a water park. Not a water park. So, David, you are closest so far. With the pool? Nope. David Caban. Sorry. Oh, uh, the ocean. Uh, closest with the ocean. Okay, we're getting we're getting warmer. Hmm. Um. Not scuba diving. Is it oil rigs? Hmm. Hmm. Not oil rigs. Um. Scuba diving. Um. Ooh. If you go missing in the shower, I think. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. Missing. Carlito for the win. Did he get it? He did. Cruises. Wow. Carlito wins the game. That is a great guess. I never would have thought of. So cruise ships? Cruise ships. People die. 34 people a year die on a cruise ship. And on average, two people go missing. Two people. Wow. They go over. They go overboard. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. Or they just get sick of who they're with and I'm out. Disappear. Like, <laughs> just tell them I'm dead. <laughs> wow. Awesome. That is a, that is, that's pretty epic. Yeah. That Carlito comes in with the win. That's yeah. awesome. Especially after, I mean, he had two fantastic, two fantastic guesses. guesses to start. <laughs> that is great. All right. So be careful on cruise ships. I mean, uh, but if it's 34 people a year, that's, uh, I mean, there's got to be. Uh, not during COVID, obviously, but but on average, there's got to be a hundred thousand plus people that go on cruises every year. Oh yeah, Mi- millions. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be millions. So, on average, I think it's pretty safe. Yeah, go on your cruise. Well, yeah, go on a cruise, wear your mask, and also stay away from John's ex. Stay away from John's ex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that is this week's. Numero de los muertos. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. That is awesome. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Yeah. Thanks for uh, joining us, Jose. As as always, yeah. I know. Listen, I want to take an opportunity. I don't know if you guys have the CRA up there, but I want to take the opportunity to uh, exhort anybody who's uh, watching the show to join the CRA. CRA mm-hmm. is the last line of defense. If it wouldn't be for what Glenn Loop and the organization has done, there's a lot of battles that we have we would have lost. Yeah, that's something we always talk about our show. And what's really sad is that a lot of people will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on cigars, but then they're not willing to give the thirty-five dollars a year to strengthen the lobbyists the lobby that the CRA has uh, been doing. So I exhort anybody who's not a uh, member of the CRA to go to the website, CRA.org, join the organization. You're going to get two great cigars and you're going to def- you're going to be defending what we all love, which is premium cigars. Cigar smoking is not about uh, health. It's about rights. Right. If you could die for your country at 18, you should be allowed to smoke and drink at 18. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen to that. Now, on that note, Jose, do you know of any other organizations globally like the CRA? 
Well, right now uh, in Europe, they start the, uh, the world rights of uh, uh, world right, a world rights organization that has been in the last month uh, doing its roots and it's uh, we're designating uh, they're designating different ambassadors all over the world because it's a legal product. It pays taxes. It's not pot. It's not drugs. Right. It's not all this crap that's out there. It's and not also, mm-hmm. it's basically all mom and pop shops yep. and small farmers in Dominican and Ecuador, Brazil, Colombia, Peru, Mexico, Honduras, oh, wow. Costa Rica. And it impacts hundreds of thousands of families. So come on, give us a break. Yeah, absolutely. Um that's one of the things that, that when we touched on a little bit earlier that people don't think about when they think about regulation, when we all have friends and family who are not cigar smokers, they don't don't understand the culture of premium cigars. We try to teach them about it. We do our best to teach them about it, but they don't understand. And if we as premium cigar smokers in the world can get across only one message to our friends and family who are not consumers of premium cigars. It is to keep hammering home the truth of the fact that cigars and cigarettes are completely different products consumed in different ways for different reasons. And that premium cigars need to be left out of the big tobacco conversation when it comes to regulation, they need Mm -hmm. to be left out of it entirely. I agree 100%. Look, we're not the cigarette industry. We're not the mass market industry. We're an industry that's barely maybe a billion dollars a year. If you look at the cigarette industry, and I I, I used to know a lot about it, they're 90 times bigger than us. But you know who's gotten bigger than us? The vape industry. The the, the, the vape industry, I mean, vape, really? Give me a break. That's not regulated. There was a video put on Facebook about a year ago. Some guy who's very popular in in, uh, in uh, California. So they asked the guy to do like a video where, you know, he mixes up all his juices and all that. Give me a guess where you think he posted he he, he does his, his juices. In a bathtub. In a bathtub. Oh, my God. Yeah. Could you imagine that? And then he was bottling all this stuff, and then he goes out and sells it. I mean, in a bathtub. Come on. Give yeah. me a break. Yeah. But nobody goes after that. And everything we do, no chemicals, no additives. It's right. only a hundred percent tobacco, water and heat to ferment, and that's it. Yep. And then you have all these companies doing all this crap with vape and all that. Crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've said it a thousand times. These that I hold up right here, these and other cigar premium cigars like them. Everybody needs to understand these are not a danger to children. So stop treating them as such. Stop putting them in that category. And and again, talk to your friends and family and make sure that they understand the difference between premium cigars uh, and cigarettes and vape and all this other all this other nonsense. The uh, the the uh, website that re- that has been created to a lot of people now is cigar rights of the world. And uh, Jeremiah, I know I'll put it up there uh, once again. This is. Uh, we have look. This is not a thing from the states or Dominican or Honduras or this. 
we have to all the whole, all the all the passion cigar smokers in the world. We have to fight for something that's yep. that's ours. That's right. We cannot Absolutely. let government and political, whatever you want to call them, hacks take this away from us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, so Jose, let's let's get into some fun non-cigar related questions. Not that the cigar related questions aren't fun because they're a blast, but we want to we want to kind of get inside the mind of of Jose a little bit. So, if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for ten minutes, who would it be and why? Holy shit! <laughs> Man, that's really tough. If you would ask me about a dead person, it would be easier. But a living person, I don't know. I've drawn a blank on that. I mean, who would your dead one be? Yeah, if it was a person who's already passed, who who would that be? Probably Julius Caesar. Oh wow, wow. that's that's great. I like that. I like that answer a lot. Um, well, if you think of if you think of somebody else, come we'll come back to it. But uh, all right, if you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? What was the one with Rocky? Eye of the Tiger, something like that. Yeah, probably Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, Eye of the Tiger. Love it. That's a popular one. Yep. All right, so. Choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as the starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie or score a goal in a soccer game as the goalie. What was the first one? Hit a home as, run as a starting pitcher. That that would be mine. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's mine too. I mean, I'm a big baseball guy, but, uh, uh, Go Yankees, go. go. <laughs> so if you could bring back any fashion trend from the past and make it popular again, what would it be? Oh, it would definitely be uh, some uh, some style of uh, the 20s, you know, the suits with the pinstripes and the, oh, yeah. the hat and all that. I've always loved the gangsters, so... Uh, yeah, that would be around there. Oh, I Zoot love suits. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Um, did you when you were a, when you were a kid slash teenager? Was there a celebrity that uh, or or an or an actress that you had a, a huge crush on? Who was your celebrity crush back when you were a teenager? Uh, let me see. Actor, probably. I would say John Wayne. A crush. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crush. Yeah. Oh, Marlon, I guess. Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think she might be one of mine too. Um, if you could add any person's face to Mount Rushmore, they don't, and they don't have to be a former president or, or anything like that. If you could add any person's face to the to Mount Rushmore, who would it be? Does he have to be an American? No. Mm-mm. Anybody? Probably Gandhi. Oh, that is a great answer. We haven't heard that one before. That I like that answer a lot. That's beautiful. 
That's good. All right. So let's talk about this week's notable smokable. Um, so Jose, each week Garrett and I mention, uh, we mention a cigar that we've smoked in the past week or, or so that was interesting to us. It could be something that's been on the market for many years, or it could be something that's brand new. Um, so obviously for you, uh, you smoke a lot of Fuentes, but have you been able to reach outside of the Fuente catalog anytime recently and smoke something that, that really kind of caught your interest? Uh, no, to be honest, because of the lockdown and not yeah. being able to get anything and yeah. all the cigars that I bought from uh, Miami, I, uh, I smoked them all. No, lately it's, I've had some Cubans and, and basically and anything from Fuente. But I haven't smoked in about a month or so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've been you've been recovering and all that. So, and that's understandable. So it's hard to get it's hard to get stuff uh, from where you are, other than uh, other than Cubans, I would imagine. So, Garrett, what was your uh, what was your notable smokable this week? Mine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's, you're fine, Jose. No, you're good. Okay. Um, mine was the Liga Pravada T52 Petite Corona. Oh, yeah. I haven't had one of those in a while. I hadn't either, and that is a little firecracker of yeah. a cigar, and uh, it was just – it was awesome. Uh, and mine this week was the new-ish. Um, I think it shipped to retailers back in about October, uh, and it was the, the Monte Cristo 1935 Oh, uh, anniversary yes. Nicaragua, which uh, I, I enjoyed that one. I, I And I still have to smoke another one to kind of review it properly, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, it was damn good. So, yeah, that was enjoyable. Um, so to give our viewers and listeners of an idea, some stuff we have coming up in the near future. Um, as always, we are live on Monday nights on Facebook and YouTube. Um, so this coming Monday, we're going to talk to Henderson Ventura, uh, about a lot of his history in the in the tobacco industry, but also uh, his own brand, the Adventura Cigars. Uh, and then on the 15th, we're going to talk to uh, Bear Duplissy, uh, El Oso Fumar Takes. He's a good friend of ours in cigar media. And then on the 22nd of February, we're going to talk to Alec and Bradley Rubin. Uh, they are obviously sons of Alan Rubin, who created the brand Alec Bradley. Uh, and they have been making their own mark in the cigar industry for the past couple of years. So we're excited to get to talk to them about uh, growing up with, uh, you know, in their dad's house, uh, being a cigar household and and uh, kind of what they're working on these days with their own uh, cigar brands. Mm-hmm. So, Jose, I, I just I can't thank you enough for being on the show with us and spending your time with us. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you. Matt and Garrett, thanks for the invite. I mean, it was was amazing. Had a great time. I hope that everybody who's uh, tuning in tonight enjoyed. Uh, like I said, uh, join the CRA, support our industry. When there's a petition in your state, definitely sign it against, uh, send messages to your senator, your congressman. We all have to unite against all these uh, smoking bans and all this thing that the FDA wants to take away from us. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's absolutely true. Um, so viewers and listeners, thanks again for spending time with us. If you have questions after the fact for Garrett or myself, you can find us on howaboutthatcigar.com. Send us an email directly from there. 
Follow us on social media at HBT Cigar. And until we'll see you, ne- see you guys next time, burn cigars, not bridges. <laughs>